Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, Evan. So it's Sunday and we're not supposed to get too serious. Right. But we probably will. Yeah, we probably, yeah. And you should get kind of serious on yeah. some level. And if you're a first time listener, well, we don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. Yeah. So if I you think read that's the- why it's called not so serious is because we don't know. We don't know, but we find out, yeah. we find out part way through. And actually, in fact, you know, already before we do, if you're listening to the podcast, we also have yeah. a, a live audience that's listening to us as well and watching us actually. So welcome. Enjoy the convo. We're going to talk about artistry and industry and finding that balance. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. Okay. All right. So let's um, start. Let's riff this on something. <laughs> let's figure this one out. So, uh, well, yeah, let's, let's figure it out. So I guess, um, you know, for me right now, what's going on these days is, uh, there's a bunch of projects on the roll, right? There's mm-hmm. a, a script that I'm just finishing off and then it's going to be sent off to the producers. Um, we already kind of did a last edit and now I'm doing one last little kind of touch up edit. Um, it's been a really interesting experience, um, finishing this script up. I'm sure that there's going to be some more work to come with this particular script. And then, uh, there's been this, um, consulting that I've been doing. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, I'm using that, I think I've talked about on the podcast before, but I use this timeless method where it's a lot about coming in as though none of us know anything. Really, that's kind of the goal. Yeah. And to discover the story. Right. And I'm working with these writers who, you know, they were fighting with the production team, the producers, like everything was just going to hell. Um, and of course they bring me on and throw me into the mix and they're like, okay, deal with this. We need this script to be like mitigate this situation. Yeah. Yeah. We've optioned it. Um, we're planning on putting a lot of money into it right now. It's not going to get made the way it is. Um, the writer and crater were having fights with the, the producers and it was just a big drama thing. Right. Yeah. And so as we've been going through it, um, you know, and I think rightfully so the writer and uh, the writer and uh, visual arts creator, you know, I think rightfully so they were a little nervous having me come on, right. you know, cause now they're like, Oh, they hired this gun to basically communicate for them and basically get what they want. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, at first, our first couple meetings were interesting to say the least, mm. cause they're, you know, like, you they're know, kind of sizing you up oh, and yeah. like, yeah. And their backs were against the wall and you know, it's just like, okay, like it felt like going into a boxing ring or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? potentially there was a discussion that had happened beforehand. It's like, okay, so like, what are we presenting to this guy? Like when we talk to him, you know, like yeah. United front <laughs> yeah. and, and there's two just, of them and one of me. Yeah. Right? And you're just like, Hey, what's up? I'm Brandon. Let's talk about your script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so it was, it was interesting too, cause they like, couldn't really hear like some of the stuff I was, I was suggesting and kind of talking about there, everything I said was like, no, that can't, it can't be good. Whatever he's thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was really, it was really kind of weird. And actually, um, so our first meeting actually seemed to go okay. And then our next meeting just went shitty. And then, uh, 
and then there was talks with the producers. Well, actually they had meetings with me, but they were not showing up for the meetings for like three in a row. Mm. So I talked to the producers. I said, you know, cause before they hired me on, they said, you know, we really like what you did with the last script. We're hoping you can do some, something like that with this one and maybe some more, whatever, but this one. And so I said, okay, well, I told them, I said, look, I'm not a miracle worker. It's going to be relying on the people you're putting in front of me. Like I'm not going to do the work for them. I'm not writing their script. Yeah. If, if that's what it comes to, that's an entirely different discussion. And so they go, yeah, yeah. Okay. We get it. And then, um, you know, and one of the producers like totally went off on the, Oh, there he is. He's making his move. (laughs) (laughs) Little Charlie's coming in to join the convo. And for those of you who are first time listeners, Charlie is the little studio cat. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, they, you know, so basically I'm like, okay, well I got to work with them. They got to want to do this and they got to see that there's issues. Right. So they, they ignored like three, three meetings. They didn't ignore them, but they just basically canceled. And the producers called me up and they said, so what's going on? How's the script going? And I was like, well, cause I told them after our first initial meeting, I was like, okay, it looks like it's going to be okay. I think I'm getting through to them. I think it's going to take a little longer. Um, but I think they're starting to see that, you know, that we're on the same page. Yeah. And then the producers called me after they'd missed three meetings and they were like, how's it going? And I'm like, well, they've canceled on me three times now. And so the producers like were super upset about that. And then there's a big clash and there's already a big clash they had had. Yeah. Um, and so basically they, they were like, okay, look, we're going to talk to them. And, and one of the producers gets on and we all have this, they had a conversation beforehand. And then, then we started working together and I think he just laid it out and kind of said, look, you're on the same page. Like your movie's not going to get made unless we figure out a way you know, and so since then it's been on this really great track. Right. Right. And I think they took their, their armor down. And once they started trusting this timeless process, like really amazing things are happening. And the script in the beginning was, um, you know, it had a lot of challenges, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it had a lot of really interesting ideas, but it had a lot of challenges. Right. Um, and nothing's really been created yet, but it's exciting to see the way that they're seeing it now, you know? And I think the other thing too, is I don't, you know, I don't do it from the script doctor point of view where I come in and tell you what to do. I do Mm -hmm. it from a, I come in and I come in with curiosity and I ask questions and very like poignant questions that will help you unlock whatever is actually inside of you. And then once you kind of unlock that, then you find you're tied to what you, you said, as opposed to what I said. Cause like people can argue what I say. If I say do this Mm -hmm. and then they go, well, I'm, I'm going to be defiant. I'm not going to do what you say but if they said it, they can't really defy themselves because now they're like, well, what do you want to do? You said you wanted to do this. So if you don't want to do that, then what do you want to do? You know? And at the end of the day, they, they basically submit to themselves. It's a really interesting kind of process Yeah. because that's, I don't I don't know if I like that word submit, but the problem is, is you get writers and I'm sure if there's other writers on the line, they can, they can uh, attest to this. We get attached to our scenes and we hang on to them. They're our babies and we don't want to let them go. But if you said you, you want your script to do this thing and we look at your scene and we can all see that it doesn't do that thing. Yeah. Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to hang on to your scene or do you want to do that thing? What's more important to you? And usually the thing they want to do is to move the audience, to make them feel something, to excite them, to wow them, to whatever. And so when you look at your scene and if it doesn't do that, you kind of have to go and go, okay, I have to let it go. 
because mm-hmm. it doesn't do what I said I wanted to do. Yeah. And so it's, it's this really like neat process. It's, and it's un, unraveling more and more, but what's exciting for me, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this whole topic really, but is that I'm working with people who initially were like, when I've worked with people on it, they want that process. They mm-hmm. want something like that. But this yeah. time they didn't want to even work with me really. Mm-hmm. Like I looked like the enemy. So for me to come in and have this process work for people who didn't even want it, this is kind of exciting. Well, I mean you, yeah. Cause I like for them, they have no idea what they're walking into, what kind of person you are. Right. You know, like they, like for, for somebody else, you know, uh, like it's, or somebody who, who knows you, you know, it's a bit of a different thing, but for somebody who just has no knowledge about what it is that you do, your background or anything, it's just like, there's this person who's going to come in and who knows, like, is going to like tear my, my story to shreds. They're going to take my, you know, my baby away from me, basically kind of a thing. You know, you have all these fears running through your head and, but you're coming from a person who's has experience and is within the field and is like involved in, in the process yourself, like with your own material mm-hmm. and so So, and I think that that really is the best, that kind of approach really is one of the best forms of sort of like teaching and, and mentorship and, and yeah, because it's, I think we had a conversation about this like some time ago, but like, as opposed to just telling somebody, you know, how to do, how to do something, you know, you help them to figure it out for themselves, right? Like you just, you ask questions, you, um, you know, there's a, there's like a famous painter. I'm here we go. I'm getting early into like misquoting some person who I can't even remember. Um, but they were, this guy was an artist and he is like one of the, like, um, and of this like very prestigious art school, which he like kind of founded and was like, ran the thing for a long time. Uh, he said, I don't teach people to paint. I teach them to see differently. Mm. Right. And, and I think it's like, it's a good thing if you can find that sort of ethos within any teaching, within any sort of curriculum. But I mean, in art, like, I think it's, it's essential. It's absolutely essential. So in like writing process, acting, music, whatever, it's just like, it's not about just saying like, well, you should do this, this, and this, right? Because we're like, you are completely cutting off a person who is a creative, a person who could come out with something extraordinarily profound. You know, you're kind of stifling the voice of a potentially genius artist. Yeah. Right. By just saying like, Oh, you should do this. And, and for what, like to serve what purpose at the end of it. And it's like, I don't know, to get it to meet some sort of a, a standard or for it to resemble something else that has been done that was successful or something, you know, like it's, um, yeah, it's this weird push and push and pull and it takes longer to, to talk to people that way. It takes longer to teach people that way, but it really builds a foundation of something. Uh, and, and it does, it demands, it does demand more of the creator. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and of the artist. It's like, because nothing's being, being handed. It, it asks for a deeper, um, investment from you, which is, you know, that's part of my philosophy with how I like to work with actors is just like, let's like engage in a deeper concept and philosophy and practice of what it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. as an actor. It's like, you know, because I've, I've been through, through the ringer of, I would say like, I never trained in a conservatory, but I certainly trained with a lot of people who had studied in conservatories and taught me in a similar fashion. So I learned very technical approaches to acting, very technique based things. It's just like, no, in you, and it's a very methodical way of, you know, breaking down a script, breaking down a scene, breaking down a character. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not without its, its benefits, but, um, it has severe limitations and, and then you completely kill the, the art form and what can happen. Cause that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't, I couldn't find where I was anywhere within the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just, I just become a person who is executing technique that's really what it became about. It's just like, okay, I've got to execute these techniques and maybe that will be a moving, stirring performance by the end of it. Right. And the end is just like, you just feel totally vacant, you know, and empty inside. And we're like, you, you come to the end of it and maybe people liked it. Maybe, you know, there was a lot of work to be done. It seemed to be hard to know when I had done any of these things. And then once it was, when I started to have some teachers and have some experiences of acting that demanded me to, to really look at what I was doing and to dive a little bit deeper into my own sense of, of my own humanity and, and the purpose of, of acting itself. It's like, why do we even do this? Mm. Right like it's, and, and that's why I like to engage actors in that conversation, that dialogue with themselves. And there's no answer for it. Like there's no one answer for It's going to be a different, a different answer for every person, right? There's going to be a different kind of why for every person, why you're doing it. Right. But there's, I think that there can be a connecting thread in at least the, um, the pursuit of, of going after something more in your work, as opposed to just being a person who, you know, dots the I's and crosses the T's in their performances. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you raised so many good points and there's a lot of things I want to come at with it, but you don't want a shell of a performance and you don't want a shell of a script. You know, you want, uh, yeah. you want something that comes from the core of why the thing was even made in the first place. And the only way you're going to get there, I I think is by asking questions and being curious Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I think as a script consultant, um, which I mean, it isn't necessarily my dream, but it's, it's nice. Um, it's a nice thing to be, to have the opportunity to be kind of the person that gets to come in and work with artists. Yeah. But I think the reason why I am doing well at something like that is because 
I'm so curious, you know, when I look at the writing process, I go, well, none of the answers are inside of me. I mean, I've read all the books and I know how to, I can tell you how to break down a scene. I can, there's a certain amount of yeah. knowledge and experience and maybe some wisdom I have that way, but I just come at it with a lot of curiosity. And, and as I come at it with curiosity, I ask questions and I, and I have certain questions I want to know. And as I ask those questions, certain things come out that they didn't even know which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then they're telling me something they didn't even know, but they're telling it to me. And that's really what it is. Because I think like when you, I think we've all had that experience where you get inspired, but you don't necessarily question the inspiration. You just kind of go, you kind of feel the inspiration, you see the inspiration, maybe whatever you sense, smell, whatever happens. Yeah. Right. But, um, you, you know, you, you have that and then you kind of take that little bit of fire and you run with that and you start doing things and then, you know, it becomes more complicated and whatever, and you've created this thing. Um, but when you start to ask questions that bring back down to the core of the idea, a lot of time I find artists have never even asked themselves those questions. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, so when I was in university, um, there was a, you know, I studied a lot of philosophy and, and one philosopher who's very, very famous, but always stood out to me was Socrates. Yeah. And Socrates would go around and asking everybody questions to the point where basically just annoyed everybody. But, yeah. um, he, he was constantly asking questions and, um, you know, he kind of came from the idea that, you know, we don't really know anything. And so I think when you come at life from that perspective of not knowing, and it took me years to really learn what, like, I didn't just read about Socrates and then I totally got everything, but it yeah. took me years to figure out what he actually meant or what he was doing. But the thing is, is that if you, there's a couple really great things. If you don't have to have all the answers for everybody else, objectively, it takes a lot of pressure off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why like, you know, like there's people who, you know, are decades older than me. Why I think that I'm getting better results than they're getting because they came from the industrial model, which is that you need to know. I come from the millennial model, which is there's too much to know. You yeah. couldn't possibly know it all. The internet's around, right? Yeah. So it's there, but the answers are out there to get, not the answers. I had to memorize them from a book and I got to carry them around with me for the rest of my life. Right. It's a different way of thinking. Yeah. Like now, like, you know, um, like basically now, apparently from, I've talked to lots of teachers, they say like, they don't even really get kids to memorize certain things like that anymore because they can always just look that up on the net. Like that's not really a useful skill. Mm-hmm. Now it's more about, you know, it's, it's, it's more about inductive and thinking and experiencing and an application that. of knowledge more than anything. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's how I look at it. And I go, you know, I look at the writer and I go, the answers are inside of you, but I don't know them. And, and really what's happened is you don't know them yet, but they're in you. And yeah. so we got to like figure out how to unlock you. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing because then the writer also feels very important and they feel like kind of, they are the golden goose, Yeah, right? They're the golden goose <laughs> and they got to pump out the golden egg, Yeah, but the golden eggs in them. It's not like I'm going to give them the golden egg and they're going to run around with that. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think that after writers work with me, the nice thing is I think that I really truly believe and I, and I would, I would be surprised to hear that anyone who's worked with me doesn't feel like they're better off now forever because they learned a method. Uh, yeah. Maybe they don't understand it quite the way I do, but they learned a method to help themselves produce the golden egg. Mm-hmm. Cause once they, they are treated like the golden goose, you know, that to me is an interesting way for art to come out because 
if you have someone and they just become your scribe, right? Cause I think writers can be treated that way. They're just supposed to write down the idea you want and they don't find any ownership or it doesn't come from any core place in them. Yeah. I think that it's, it's a very empty, uh, sh- kind of shallow, you know, but more like empty experience, right? You're, you're doing the thing. It looks like the thing, but it isn't, mm. you know? And acting is like that too. You know, I was watching some actors the other day, you know, some, some kind of amateur actors. Right. Um, and I was watching them and I was like, they don't, they're not coming from a core place and I could just, it's not believable. It's not real. I, I, I can see that for them. It's not coming from a place of like truth because for example, I don't know if you've ever been in like a fight with somebody or you've met a stranger and you've, you know, you're, you're not just, there's certain ways in which you behave with people that yeah. they were, they were denying the reality of the danger of say getting in someone's face. You yeah. know what I mean? And just the, you know, there's a certain type of thing going on. And so I really looked at it and I go, well, they're all really doing what they believe to be the best they can do. I mean, I, I don't think that they're trying to phone it in right now. I think they're really trying, but that was the problem is they're trying from a core, from a, from not a core, a, 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 an external way of looking at acting. But if you come at it from a question, if you come at it from like, you know, you really look at yourself, like what would, what, what, what could I do? What would I do right now? Yeah. You know, what, what, what is in me that feels right? You know, and there's, there's a thing with acting too, is like, and I'm sure that you, you know, you, you've seen this as well, but there's a reality to how we interact. And, you know, I remember acting teachers saying like, you need to create space. It creates tension. It's like, you know, okay. That from an external point of view, that's true. But the thing is, is like, why do I need to create space from this person right now for me? Yeah. Not, not because I'm trying to do something as an actor and create tension for an audience, Yeah. but I need space from them because you know what? I want to tell you something. And if I'm too close to you, you might swing at me. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And like, that's very real thing, you know? So if yeah. I have a little bit of distance between you, I have enough time to maybe deal with the fact that you're coming at me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, and that's more real, but like, if you're just creating space for the sake of creating space, because yeah. some acting teacher told you or some director. Mm-hmm. And you know, and there's, and that's like an interesting kind of like one of these little particulars of the craft that, that comes up because yeah, it's like, it's like, Oh yeah, you create space, create like these moments or whatever of, uh, and the thing is like, the thing is, that's not even necessarily, that's not even necessarily how it happens, right? Like if you're just like, there's just so much that's so backwards. It drives me nuts about how acting is taught. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like this thing. It's like, it's, it's like you're, you're being told to do something from an external place. And it's like, do this. It has this effect. It's like, not necessarily, because if you're doing it just as I'd be like, okay, like you're saying, like just to create space because it's supposed to create tension. If that's your reason for doing it, Mm -hmm. you're going to fail, right? It's not going to achieve that at all. Like you're probably just going to watch two people standing silently for a few seconds and be like, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And there'll be no tension. There'll probably just be confusion. (laughs) Right. Like as opposed to when there are moments that legitimately, actually like occur 
from two actors really being committed to what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And then those things just seem to happen naturally and on their own. Like, but there are, you know, sometimes you will have a director or something and they want to have that thing. It's like, Oh, I want you to just be like quiet here. Right. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Now you have to really explore. It was like, okay, so what was the thing that's, that was said before or what happened just before this moment of silence here, this word that we, before we create this space that I can connect to, that I can understand in a way where that, you know, has emotional relevance Mm -hmm. as to why this happens. Right. But I mean, I, I find that a lot of, again, these things don't necessarily come up as often when you actually have just two actors who are really fully engaged in what's happening and what they're doing. It seems to resolve a lot of that because I mean, I've, you know, when I started seeing, you know, doing, doing a lot of my Meisner training and stu- and studying with a lot of really great actors who are, who are with me during the process, like we're basically watching, you know, scenes unfold. Some of them are completely like improvised that were based on the Meisner repetition, but like when it gets a soup to a super evolved form where there is like a story that's happening basically. Um, or even when there, when we did have like scripted lines, right. But you have actors going in without necessarily a pretense as to what they think is supposed to happen. Mm over the course of this scene and they just go for it. And then something happens like some shit is said, (laughs) something is done and you are, and you're actually just watching like two actors on stage in silence, just looking at each other and they don't even know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's brilliant. It's beautiful because like we're on the edge of our seats because if they don't know what's going to happen next, we don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Even if it was like a scene that we'd already watched happen a few times, you know, by different people. It's like, there were still moments that would happen. You just go, holy shit. I don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't know who's going to do what, like what's like, or even if I knew how, like what the next line was that was going to be coming out. I'd be like, I don't know how they're going to say that. I have no idea how they're going to possibly say those words to this person right now. You know, like just like these moments of absolute, you know, the other person says something so heart wrenching and, and so like sorrowful. And you know, that that person's going to say something just so nasty back to them. And you're like, how are you about to just like do this to this person? Mm and they do it somehow. Right. And you're just like, Oh, and it's just like, you just <laughs> like, you're on this whole roller coaster ride, like going through the whole thing. You're just getting tossed around and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's really the experience I think we're looking for as an audience. I mean, we want to be on the edge of our seat. We want to be, you know, it, it, we don't want to know everything. I mean, and I think, it, you know, the, the problem with doing things from like the shell from the outside in is like, it's, you're doing something that you've seen already. Cause we, we all see the shell. We all see the external part. Yeah. We don't see like the, 
you know, the yolk of it. We don't see the, the egg, like the insides, the core thing that's really driving it all. Right. And that's something we have to basically like, you know, we have to figure out, right. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out based on what we see, what is actually going on, you know, a level or layer or layers down. Right. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the thing is, is like writing and acting, you know, I find that and probably even directing too, I imagine, but you know, they're, they're, I think when they're done poorly, they're done from the outside in. Mm -hmm. And I think that when they're, when they're done well, they're done from the inside out. And the only way inside is to ask, is to look in and, and not even ask another, but ask of yourself, you know, ask yourself, like, what is, what's going on for me right now? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, um, you know, like, w- like, th- th- what is it, what does that mean? Or, or what, what do I think of that? Or, you know, what, you know, and in, until the question is asked, I mean, the, the whole thing is just kind of, it's just all bullshit. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is like having an awareness of like the external is important. I think it's important. It's like, you know, as an actor and you're in the middle of performance, you know, like there is still a part of you that in the back of your mind, like even if when you're fully engaged, you know, may, like maybe you're just like just ripping into somebody and you're like legitimately like you are in this scene and you are tearing this person up because you are so fucking livid about what's going on. But in the back of your mind, you know, that, you know, that this is like what's going on, Hmm. you know, but you're just kind of like, you're like, that's not what's running the show. But that part is just being like, okay, I'm just going to make sure that the audience can see me right now and the way that I stand, right? Like, or the, the, my, the positioning that I'm in right now, you know, it's, it's these little, it, like, that's where the external stuff starts to come in, which is basically really about like those types of things are like, well, I, that's about making sure that the audience is allowed in, hmm. is allowed to come in and see, right? Like as opposed to having my back turned to the audience the entire time, then they're not allowed to be a part of it right? I think that that's where the external kind of can serve a very, a very useful purpose as opposed to just getting caught up in, you know, in the shit that's going on here, which is great. You need that more than anything, but then being able to bring people into it is where that external thing, I think factors into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I think that also, you know, you don't want to be just, I've seen those, those actors and acting teachers. It's just like, it's all just about go with how you feel entirely. And that isn't real either because it isn't just about how you feel like it is in a certain sense, we're doing everything because of how we feel. But that note or that direction is, is, is not a really great direction because there's a lot of things that we're doing that put our feelings to the side you know, like, you know, we don't give in to every feeling we have, you know, there's lots of times where we will do the harder thing because what we're feeling actually takes us away from what we truly want. Yeah. And so sometimes you got to subjugate your feelings. And I think in, in, in acting, it's the same too. Sometimes you're having a feeling, but your character is in a position where, you know, that's not important. Like just watching these actors, you know, and like, you know, I think that's the trouble sometimes being in in an acting class or an acting situation um, you know, where 
you're watching people learn. And especially when you're not dealing with a really great teacher or a really great director and they don't get it, but like, it's like the character, the, the, the actor yells at the other person and they get all angry. And there's this thing, it's like, yeah, okay, you're angry. You don't need to, sh- you don't need to get angry. You're already angry. We can all see that. Yeah. Stuff that shit down. That is not helping you right now. You know what I mean? Like that is not going to get you your goal. In fact, that's mm-hmm. taking you so far away from your goal. Like, you know, anger is this interesting thing. You know, emotions, you know, another thing or an interesting thing. Most times emotions work against you, especially yeah. when you lose control of them more than they ever help you. And like, you know, that's the funny thing about acting is like, you got to take these emotions and you got to learn how to stuff. You got to learn how to stuff how you feel because you know, I think when you're, when you're learning to feel as an actor, and that's an important part of the evolution and your growth, that's different than when you're actually doing something in the scene as the character authentically and real. Yeah. It's like if someone is like practicing juggling a soccer ball and there's a game going on, you know, well, I don't, it's nice. Like you, great. You can juggle it. You can do all these moves, but if you lose the ball or you don't score the goal, nobody really cares right now. And no one cares about how well you can juggle right yeah. now. You know what I mean? What's important is that you do the job. If you score an ugly goal, it's better than if you did the most glorious juggling act ever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, whatever, or stick handling the net. <laughs> or dribbling doesn't really matter. However you want to put it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so acting's, you know, when you're actually doing a play or you're doing a scene or you're doing something, you know, if you're, if you, and you, you know, you ask an audience member or you ask someone like myself, you say, well, was it good? Well, what were you trying to do? Were you, would you, are you asking me if it was good and if it was real? Well, no, it wasn't real. That's the truth. It just wasn't. I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't believable. I didn't, I wouldn't buy that for a second, but did you do a good job at helping yourself to get to a point where you allowed yourself to feel, which maybe you've been suppressing and you haven't exposed yeah. that and it's cathartic for you. Well, yeah, you did a great job there, but yeah. your, your cathartic part of learning and the actual act of performing and putting something up and making it real are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, um, there's, there's, there's a process where like you will got to overswing the bat, especially as an actor, you know, you got to overswing the bat a little, a little and try something so that you can experience what it means to do it unrealistically and too much. But you need to start to learn the gauge of, of like reality. Like, yeah, I I just, you know, I mean, I've done it too. Like, and I remember when I was, when I was a young actor, but I, I look at it as, I don't blame anybody, but I didn't have necessarily the guidance at an early age where teachers were really helping me understand the difference between real and natural and cathartic acting. And if I could quickly, let me explain what I've learned through this process. It was an actor who was working a lot, who explained to me finally what they were. Mm. And they said, there's, there's natural, or there's the first stage, which is cathartic. The second stage, which is natural, or maybe the first stage is natural. And then the third and final stage, which is real. And, and natural is when you're just being in life, you know, you're, you, it's a certain sense of you're, you're not extremely pressured. You're not in a situation where it's like the end of the world is coming. I have to act now. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something like maybe you're hanging out in your apartment 
and you're waiting for someone. Well, sometimes there's a scene that's like that and you don't necessarily need to be like on pins and needles and make it super dramatic. You just need to be natural in a location or in a place or whatever. That's what you got to do. That's an important part of acting. Then there's cathartic acting, which is about helping you to bridge the gap from natural to real. But it's where you take an emotion that you don't experience a lot and you feel the catharsis of it. You feel the extreme of it. Maybe mm. you yell as loud as you possibly can. You, you more angry than you've ever experienced it. And you get that catharsis out because what that does is it shows you range. It, Cause if most people never, like I've, I've heard of people who have never actually yelled, they've never really fully cried. They've never ugly cried, you know what yeah. I mean? But, but sometimes as an actor, you need to full out express certain things. Then the realist part of it is when you're in extreme intense situation, but it's believable. It's not overly cathartic and like over the top and unrealistic, but it's not so natural that it seems like you're apathetic and you don't care. It's this real and it's the hardest line to walk because you're, you're learning how do I be in a, in a place in my life where maybe in my entire life, I'll have like three or five or 10 moments that'll ever be this intense. Yeah. And I have, that's the only real knowledge I have in my own experience. Yeah. And let alone, I might've experienced other people in an intense moment, but we'll even have few of those. So we have very, very few. So for us to try to figure out that line, and that's why you pay like Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep so much money is because they figure it out how to consistently be real under any circumstance. Yeah. And they can definitely do natural, but they don't overdo natural, which is another really important part of acting is that something, you know, like Ted got us to do this, right? Like when we'd be in an apartment or you'd be in some location and there was no one else in the scene except you and you had to find your keys or something. Mm -hmm. Finding your keys, we do this all the time, but if you make it more dramatic than it is, it's all of a sudden bullshit. But if you're like, okay, where the hell did I put my keys? And you're like thinking about it and you're like trying to remember and you're naturally going through the actions. It can be extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. But the moment you start to be like, oh my God, I lost my keys. You're like, yeah. nobody fucking does that. You know what I mean? Maybe you get yourself to a point where you actually are like, I'm going to be late for a job interview that like, or this thing yeah. or this date that was so important to me. And at first it's not a big deal. Like you're like, okay, I don't know where to put my keys. You're checking your pockets, you're checking your things. You're looking at your normal locations. But then after a bit, you're like looking at the clock. You're like, holy shit. Like I'm going to be really late right now. And this is going to be a real problem. The tension rises, right? Mm -hmm. But the actor has to be sensitive to that. Right. And so anyway, uh, you know, this whole, I I would say for actors, we, we are all learning to navigate this experience of, of cathartic, natural, and real. And you know, what I was seeing with, with, with the actors I was looking at last night was I was like, okay, well you're certain parts, you're natural. Maybe you're having a few moments that are real, but there's a lot of cathartic acting and you, I might as well. And you're, you're, you're not right now doing this to learn. You're doing this to perform, to, to, you know, show. And so yeah. I look at that and I go, well, y- you know, that's the part that, that, that takes the experience and makes it, you know, as an audience member, if you're trying to be real and you're not being real, it breaks the magic act. But if you were trying to be unreal and that was your goal, 
it would actually honor the act, but they were trying to be real, but being cathartic. Right. So anyway, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I've kind of learned to understand, you know, the, there's probably uh, someone else could probably look at other intricacies of it, mm-hmm. but really like, I think that's a good, simple way for actors to look at it. And it's okay to be all of them. It's just not all scenarios. Should we be, should we be any one of them? Yeah. 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 That's so, why, that's like why, like, I think for myself, like one of the things, one of the reasons why I just, I fell in love with, with Meisner work in terms, because it's like, it's not really a technique. You know, this is like, even though it was like, it's been called the Meisner technique and stuff like that. It's like, it's really like, I would say that Meisner technique is more so just a form of training. It's not really a form of acting. Like it's because what it's, teaching you is, is an underlying sort of philosophy. That's not really about acting per se. You know, it's not like, Oh yes. Like they're a Meisner actor. So like, this is like their technique, you know, this is the technique of it. And it's like, that's not really what it is. It's really about grounding you in the present with the other person and honoring that truthfully within the imaginary circumstances right? Like, I think that's one of like the biggest quotes of acting of what it is in terms of if you want to try and put it as concisely as possible as living truthfully under imaginary circumstances, right? Like it's, that's kind of a pretty good, but like, it was really about like, okay, but the way that you do that is by really being fully engaged and present in what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Because once you do that, then even that I think to a degree, the whole element of real cathartic kind of, or acting or sorry, natural or cathartic kind of like it becomes somewhat meaningless in that whole process because, because then it's, because then you're not even occupying that in your mind of like, am I being natural or am I like, or should now I like go for a moment? Like it, removes any. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I I know that's not what you're saying. It's, it's a way for, you know, it's a good way for you to like in, in, in like, like almost a teacher or director could help you see what you're doing and you could become more like, I think when, you know, as you become more experienced as an actor, you know, when you're being cathartic or, you know, when you're being somewhat, um, uh, what's the word apathetic, you know, you can, Mm. you can kind of be sensitive to that. You can also tell when you're maybe being a little too dramatic. You can kind of, you can kind of sense this, right? Like you, you know, you get, you go, yeah, like I pushed that moment. You can kind of tell, right? Yeah. And I think the newer actors have a real difficult time of telling when are they pushing it? When are they being like kind of apathetic and not, not really caring enough? And when are they just being cathartic and trying to show their emotion? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I've definitely done all three. And I think the thing is, is that in some ways, that's part of how it's done. It's like balancing on a tightrope. You have yeah. to kind of do it. And as you do it, you start to gain your balance, you know, but if you go too far off, I mean, the nice thing about a t- walking tightrope, which isn't the same as acting on a tightrope, you get immediate feedback. You fall off yeah. but with acting. You go, you, you're starting to go off. And unless you're sensitive to it, you don't know you're going off. But like, if you're walking a tightrope, the physics of it, like you just literally fall and you, you hit the dirt. So you you have to experience that. Right. But, um, with acting, like an an actor doesn't get necessarily that immediate feedback. So that's why I think it's good to have an acting teacher or a director, someone who can kind of say, no, no, hold on. 
you're off here a little bit. Let's yeah. just stop. Let's like, look at it or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's because like totally what, what you're saying, I, I get it because yeah, there's those things where it's like, you know, it's almost like a put on of being like, okay, I'm going to do natural, like a natural style. And then yeah, it becomes kind of apathetic. You know, it's not yeah. really, you're not really fully engaged in what's going on. It's kind of like a, it's a bit of a put on that you're doing. It's an aesthetic to your performance that you're doing. And then, yeah. And then there's this thing called cathartic, which, you know, um, my teacher, Larry Silverberg, I think he might've probably, or he might've also said that as being like, um, sentimentalizing. Hmm. And I remember him saying that at certain moments to students where it's like, you're getting caught, caught up in the sentimentality, which is like, you're getting caught up in the emotion of it, you know, like you're, which, cause it can be so intoxicating. Yeah. You know, like, especially when you're on stage and you're experiencing real emotion, right? Because it feels great. Like it feels awesome to be in like a safe place to a, to a degree. Um, but like a safe place and being in like an imaginary circumstance and, and suddenly like you're full of all of these like real emotions occurring within you. And it is, it's like, it's, it just, it's addicting and it's intoxicating and you kind of like you, you want to seek it out and have more of those experiences. But now it's become a thing about you having these emotions, right? You're turning it what you're doing into about you having emotions, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you being in a situations where emotions occur, I suppose would be one way of, of doing it. Right. But yeah, it's like when you, when you just want to stay like in that, like soup of emotion, you know, you're like, I'm just going to stay in here. Right. Because now actually you've shut yourself off to what's going on right? Cause like it's a lot of times, especially within Meister repetition, people would like, they would have these beautiful moments with like somebody and, and they'd be like, and they just sit there and they'd look, you know, <laughs> they'd look at each other so lovingly or something like that. And then they would get stuck. Hmm. And then because Meister's repetition is so about like, okay, okay. But what's happening now? What just happened? Like what just happened now? <laughs> right. And, and people were just getting stuck in, like, Oh, this one thing that happened, right. this one beautiful little thing that happened and you don't continue to, to be working on what's, what's really actually happening. Mm. Right. Because there could be another really beautiful thing that's going to happen, but you, you find it and then you're like, Oh, I've got to stay here because this is so great. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's so great. And everybody needs to see how great this is. Like, it's so, <laughs> yeah, like it, it gets, so it's interesting because it is such a strong temptation. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and you know, that's why the ego is brought up so much in acting because your ego, you know, wants to indulge the, the moment, mm-hmm. you know, wants to be like, you know, look how great I did, you know, look how, look at me. Right. You know, I, and, and, uh, my, I'm a thespian, you know, yeah. I've, I've achieved it. Look at me. These are real tears, people, <laughs> real tears. Look, gaze upon me and laud me with the, with praise and awards. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I think that, you know, um, it's, you know, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I, I worked with an actor very early on in my career and, um, you know, he had humility tattooed across the inside of his arm somewhere. And, 
I remember him telling me about how this was such an important lesson for him to learn. That and he got a tattoo to his, to his body. <laughs> yeah. That important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he got a tattoo to his body and, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I've learned a lot since, since then. And I, I think that that's true. I mean, I think that humility is so key to this whole thing. And, you know, whenever you get into the hubris, whenever you get into the ego and the, and the, and the arrogance of it all, it starts to become, you know, it starts to become, um, empty and it starts to become this thing that's a show. And I think that there's certain actors who, you know, they're, they're, they have a certain knack at presenting. They have yeah. a certain knack at being charming or showing things a certain way. And, and in a certain way, it does kind of work in a way because they're entertainers. Are, yeah. They're entertainers. Yeah. Cause it's kind of those types of qualities can be rewarded in our culture. Yeah. And I, I think that those types of actors don't tend to necessarily move an audience all that much, but they tend to be, you know, when they do, when they do it a certain way, they can tend to be kind of liked and kind of cool and mm-hmm. whatever. And it kind of worked for them. Not everybody can pull that off. There's a certain kind of skill set to that. Yeah. But I don't know if it's kind of, I don't know if it's really that great of a skill set when it comes down to like really, really like acting and like living. Um, because I think what it does is it gives you, it basically lets you beat out at least temporarily the core of ever connecting to anything. And so, you know, most of those actors that I've ever met are usually quite emotionally kind of exempt in their acting. Like it's kind of, uh, lacking, you know, there's a, there's a lack of kind of, you know, um, there's always, they they might have the cool way or the, the witty way of doing something where they can, they can smile and their smile is, is charming, but they, they, they almost, skirt past what, what actually matters. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, there's certain actors and I, I don't need to name names, like even like people who have made somewhat of careers for themselves out of this, but you know, it, it, it's like not bad acting for like an action hero. Like I think an action hero can kind of mm-hmm. have that kind of charm and that kind of, they don't necessarily need a lot of emotional depth to be able to pull that off. Yeah. If they can get that knack, but I don't know if it's necessarily the type of stuff that memories are made of and that, yeah. that really impacts you. But, yeah. No, it's like, yeah. And, and yeah, I know kind of the type of yeah. actor. It's like, you know, you see them in, um, lots of, oftentimes lots of genre type of stuff. Yeah. Like particularly like action types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes comedy. Yeah. Um, although somebody who's really great at comedy usually does have a pretty good emotional depth you know, great comedic actors usually come from a lot of like deep pain. So they can, they're a little bit better at doing the transition, but when you have like, kind of like the, you know, the movie stars, you know, who do like the big, like action blockbusters, that's kind of how they make their, their mark. I don't know if anybody really does that quite as much anymore as maybe they used to. Yeah. Um, but then you see them maybe do something, you know, they, they do a picture that's like, let's show, like, let's do a movie to show people something different about, about me. Um, and you know, for a, a lot of the cases, it starts to fall apart yeah. a little bit. You start to see like the seams start to show a little bit. And that's why I think a lot of, there's a particular actor I'm thinking of as we're having this conversation, but who's a person I, I actually have a great deal of respect for. 
um, again, more so as like an, as an entertainer. Um, but I've seen them, I've seen them have moments that were really quite great, but as a consistent level of like, you know, I see things where they try and blend genres of it's like, okay, we're going to combine like sort of what I'm, I usually do, but like try and make it something more serious. And, you know, it always just kind of, it, it comes off. Sometimes they, they pull it off. Okay. But that's about as much as you can say for, for some of these performances, right? It's like, yeah, they pulled it off. Okay. Like it wasn't the worst acting I've ever seen, but there's like, there, there's a serious lack of depth sometimes. It's kind of like on. that. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, <laughs> is it a duck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of idea, right. It's like, well, you know, just because you do all the things that you're supposed to do, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you, you've gotten what that thing is. You yeah. know? And I think that you know, especially with these big budget pictures and stuff like that. I mean, you're going to get people who, um, they have a name and they pull in a lot of audience members and, you know, they're, they're going to do everything they can, uh, have this massive team around them to try to make sure and craft their performance to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, um, like one thing I'm just going to like jump in here quick, you know, it's like that thing of, you know, that the, the person falling to their knees, right? Like crying or something. And it's something that's been done a shit ton in cinema and probably on stage too. Sure. And the thing is that like, it's, it's almost like, uh, to a large degree, cause mostly this is the way that it happens. It's kind of a joke. It's just like, it's something that you've seen so many times. Like, Oh yeah. When, when people are really sad, they just take, taking some like really hard news. They like fall to their knees. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, really to think about what would be really going on to bring some, to drop a person down to their knees, you know? Yeah. Like that's a really good point is like, it's a huge, but like, you'll see, you know, some sort of a big actor who's not really like known for being like the most, um, I don't know, like depthy, depthy. Sure. We'll just use, (laughs) use that. Why not? Uh, and they'll do something like that because it's like, Oh, it's something that I saw, right? Like this is what happens. It's really powerful. Audiences really love it. (laughs) Audiences love it and are really moved when somebody's, you know, drops to their knees. Right. And it's like, but it's not just the dropping to the knees. You understand? Like this probably all was derived like sometime long ago when a really great actor was like, like actually was in something very real, having a very real experience of something and they were brought to their knees. Mm. You know, like it was, it was a real thing. (laughs) It wasn't me being like, all right, and now I'm going to drop to my knees (laughs) and I'm going to put my face in my hands and then I'm going to look up to the sky and go, ah, You know, uh, this is, um, you know, as you're talking about that, this is a lot like writing too. I mean, I see writers, they'll put scenes into these scripts of theirs and it's like, it's just like, what did you see that out of some other movie? And you thought this would be a good idea. Like, cause it's not, cause it's not, you know, yeah. like, it's just like, and I mean, I've done it too. I mean, I, I've, I think any, any writer, any creative has done something where they, 
you know, you slot something in that kind of is a copy of something else. And maybe even at the time you think you're really onto something. And then in hindsight, you look back and you go, Oh my God, that was some cliche shit. Right. But yeah, you know, if you're willing to be objective and like, look at your work, you know, later, but, um, I think that, you know, that's, that's something that we, um, are constantly seduced into as artists is to do something that we've seen is to do something that was familiar to us. And, you know, and I think that I don't think we should ever really do anything with something else in our mind. Like don't do something because you saw someone else do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'll end up doing something and maybe it is the same thing that they did, but you won't do it because you knew you were doing the same thing they did. You'll do it because like for whatever reason in that scenario, you will behave the same way as someone else might behave, Yeah. you know, in that scenario. But like some other actor in that scenario might not behave the same way. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, you know, we got to be real and authentic. You know, we got to be, we got to be genuine to what is actually going on with us and, 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 and have some faith in ourselves that what we bring to the table is going to be the thing. It's going to be what's yeah. necessary. You know? Yeah. No, that we are enough. Yeah. You and know. you'll do it accidentally in a, in a surprising way. And, you know, it's like with this timeless process I use, right? Like most of the, most of the writers I work with, you know, I would say most of the time they don't know what they're trying to do. And I know it sounds kind of weird that you have a writer that's being paid that has their script, like that they're talking about making it for millions of dollars and they don't know what they're doing. I mean, this is the reality of the business. I think the thing is, is what's really interesting is that they don't necessarily know what they're doing. And that's part of the, you know, that's part of the thing is like, once they find out, like once they get authentic, things get really interesting. Mm. Things become really, really neat. I mean, in a way that, you know, depending on how much I do this script consulting thing, I don't know how far it'll go, but, um, what I'm finding right now, at least is that the reason why the scripts are working really well is because the writers are getting away from some cliche idea and they're finding out that there's something that is inside of them that's being communicated. And then through that, the people who are reading it are going, this is really fucking good. Yeah. But it's like, it's really fucking good because a real person is sharing something real about themselves yeah. right here. And, and that's interesting. You know, it's interesting and sometimes, you know, there's scenes like they seem like they're so nothing. They seem like they're not important at all. Yeah. And then they, they really are. And I mean, I'm trying to learn that more as a writer myself is that, you know, I, there's even this need for me. I mean, I like, and you know, you called me out and helped me or didn't call me out, but you're helping me with something because it's like, yeah, like sometimes the scenes that are almost like scenes that are not your big, you like climatic scenes, they're really, really important in what they are. And I'm learning to kind of like, just trust that more in myself. Yeah. But I think it's like with acting, with writing, with, with, with all this stuff, you know, this, you have this answer inside of yourself and I don't think you should go into it as though, you know what that answer is. I Mm -hmm. think you should go into it with curiosity and wonder Yeah. and almost be like, when it happens, I'll know maybe, or I'll understand it better, but like not until it happens. Yeah. There's no preparation you can have for it, you know? Yeah there's two 
of our past podcasts that I'm, I'm going to forward people to go and, and check out. And one of them is, I haven't brought this up in a while, but it was like my three E's, which I came up with a, a long time ago, oh, which yeah. I think is a huge part of what artistry is about, which is exploration, experience, and expression, right? It's kind of, and it's kind of in that order for a reason. It's like you're, you have the exploration element of it where it's like, okay, there's this idea and now I'm going to explore this idea and have a real experience of this idea, really have an experience of this whole thing Mm. playing out, which is really important, especially for screenwriting, because you can have a great idea for a story and it could be truly a hundred percent original. No one's ever seen anything quite like it before. You know, this inspiration is like, I've got a great idea for a movie or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's like fantastic. That is about one, like one twentieth of your script. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's one page. Maybe yeah. your idea was just one page. Cause it was just like an image of yeah. like this one thing happening. It's like, okay, so you've got like half a page and that's, it sounds great. It sounds great. But now there's like 95 and a half pages that you've got to fill out on this thing. Right. And then that's when you start going, it's like, okay, so I have this idea. And now we're just going to start like taking ideas from other places and then slotting them in. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's about having an authentic experience through the exploration of everything and then the expression of that, right. Right. And how that comes out. Um, and then the other podcast I thought people should go and take a look at, that, um, uh, is the three, uh, the, E's, the three E's was pretty early on. That one was pretty early on. I think it was in our twenties, wasn't it? Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Teens, twenties. Like it's really yeah. early on in the podcast. If you're looking for it. Yeah. yeah. We'll put it in the, in the, in the blog. Okay. Um, and then there was uh, one that's, I don't know if it's actually gone live yet, but it will be at the time of this coming out. But, um, uh, the line between inspiration and stealing yeah. or stealing an inspiration. It, yeah. was, it was something like that. Cause that has a lot to do with some of what we're talking about, <laughs> or at least what you were g- getting into 60s here. Sixties or seventies. Well. I think that one's Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause it, uh, maybe no seventies, seventies or maybe eighties, seventies probably. Yeah. Cause that, I don't think that one's come out yet. No, yeah. it hasn't. Um, not yet, but it will have, if you're listening to this podcast, cause this podcast is way later yeah. than that. But, um, yeah, uh, well, you know, I think you're raising some really good points too. And I think this is, um, y- you know, as we, as we venture into this whole thing, um, what I think from the, from the actress, and it sounds like so obvious to say this, but like, don't stop acting, like just stop fucking acting, like stop trying to do like all this shit and look a certain way. Like, if I could, if the actress could do anything, be like first be, Mm -hmm. don't try to do anything other than naturally respond and be in a moment and be, even if you're in the only one, just be, don't try and do anything. Don't try and impress anybody. Get all that shit out of this. That is all hurting you. It's literally hurting you. It's going to kill your career. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if I can stress that enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm going to just say yeah. it one more time. 
B, you are enough as you are, whoever you are, whatever you look like, whatever your experiences, none of that matters. Literally B, that's your first step. The other thing is, is that if you're going to go into the cathartic side of acting, do it as a way to expand your range, to expand your say spectrum of what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go share that with people. It's not about, and if, if you don't know, don't be cathartic and ask people what they thought of it. That's irrelevant. What you're doing is you're practicing something, you know, you're practicing to, to let yourself feel so you can see your range. I mean, you and I are going to do the mastery. I've done it. This will be my second time. There's a part of the mastery, which is really great, which is it, it does help you with a certain, certain kind of catharsis with your emotions. Something when I did it the first time, I never experienced certain ranges mm. until I did that. I don't know how it'll be now. It's been a while, but, um, I found that that was a really exceptional part of it. But just because I, I, I reached those levels doesn't mean that's what I necessarily need to bring to the table when I'm actually doing my acting. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I think as we're talking about this, like you don't need to try to be real, like real is something that you, you know, I think actors become real when they've first been able to have a certain naturalism. Like when you, when you learn how to be as you are and, mm-hmm. and have that be enough, like you, you, don't, you know, like Marlon Brando points this out. He talks about how like, we're always acting. Yeah. We're always acting all the time. Right now we're acting. But the thing is, is the reason why we don't go, you're acting is because when we're being real, it doesn't look like acting, but we really are acting. We're still doing it. The thing is, is when you put you, someone up on stage or you put lights on them and you put a camera on them, all of a sudden they, they get really self-focused and, you know, and then, and then they start doing weird shit that isn't believable. Yeah. But like you can have people do weird, awkward shit in a, just a social scenario. Cause all of a sudden everybody's looking at them or they don't want people to look at them and all of a sudden they'll start doing weird shit. Yeah. But in a way it's kind of believable sometimes because they're not really like trying to, yeah. they're not trying to be weird. They, like, in fact, if they could not be, they probably wouldn't. Yeah. But when, when you ever been around people and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this, when someone's trying to impress you and they're just trying so hard to impress you, it's like, relax. It's all good. You don't need to like, just be, yeah. you're making this weird right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, or yeah. Or when, <laughs> when people are just like, you know, we say like somebody's fake, yeah. right? Like somebody's being fake with you and you know, you, like there's just, when somebody's like put on a little bit too much of a, you know, yeah. a thing, an image that you're just like, and, and you know, you just get that weird sort of feeling, you know, it's like, you just want to go like, what the fuck's going on? Like, what the fuck's up with you? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think like, um, you know, it's like, I was doing an interview today with someone and this guy's brand new into like screenwriting and, and all that stuff. Brand new, brand new in the industry. Um, working his way up the ranks. Like we all have to begin humble beginning. Yeah he's pretty nervous talking to me. Um, you know, I mean, you know, he's, he probably wanted, I, I got the sense that he kind of wanted to impress me. He wanted to make a good impression. He wanted me to like him. I get all that. I know what that's like. I mean, these are all projections, but I project that because when I was starting out, I kind of exhibited similar behaviors to the way he was doing. And, you know, I think that the thing was at first, um, 
you know, and, and I think like for me, like one thing I think I have a knack at is helping put people at ease, you know, mm. and I'm not saying that I controlled the situation, but I really tried to feel what it was like to be him. Well, you're talking to this guy who's like writing screenplays and getting paid for it and just consulting with people who are like doing million dollar pictures and shit like that, you know, and you're brand new and you're like thinking, man, I don't want to make an ass of myself yeah. in front of this guy. It's a really vulnerable place to be in. Exactly. So I put myself in his place. I put myself in that vulnerable place. Guy opened up. It was, he was, he just put him at ease. Cause then we were on the same page. We're in rapport. We're in the same level. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't act like a hot shot, you know, and I'm not a hot shot. That's the thing is like, that's what I want people to really understand for acting or for writing. If they've learned anything is some people might walk around and act like a hot shot, but they're just scared. You know? Yeah. For me, I have like, I, I just don't like, especially when I'm writing, I mean, I just don't have any ego about that. Like, like at least I don't see it these days, but I look yeah. at it and I go, well, maybe I do in some way that I don't see yet, but at least, you know, I look at it as I go, you know, as a writer, we all got to start somewhere. And if, you know, if you're going to be respectful, you're going to be appreciative and and whatever. And we're going to just talk like two, two guys having a conversation or whatever, then let's just do that. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, you end up making a friend, you end up making a connection. And I think the reason why I bring this up is because when I started acting and I started writing, I had this idea in my head that write these professional writers or actors, they were just like on this other level. And I needed to like, get there. Mm. <laughs> I'll tell you if I've discovered anything, people are just people, you yeah. know, everybody struggles. Everybody's going through something, you know, people might walk around with their head held high or act like they're better. That's more, that's talking more about them than it ever is about you. You know, if they're doing that, they're probably just scared or they've been hurt in the past or something. But, you know, uh, I think, you know, we, the people, like the the point is, is when you start out is that you're not as far off as you think you are, you know, there's still skills and, and things you might need to learn. But I think that, you know, if you start learning these skills, say, I don't want to say the right way, but you start learning, you, you start learning, not the wrong way. Cause I think there's a wrong way. I think there's a wrong way to learn writing. I think there's a wrong way to learn acting. Yeah. I think people teach acting and they, they teach you how to copy results of someone else. And they, they, they direct you instead of inductively helping you find it yourself. And I think that they have ideas and their own projections and their own limitations. And they kind of, uh, encourage other writers or writers or actors to do that. And then they do that. I think, you know, um, when, when people are teaching you how to create a result, without a process, it's always incorrect. It, what matters more than anything is like 95% process. And then 5% has to do with structure and, and figuring out how to navigate the industry and all that other shit. Yeah. Because that stuff's easy. It really is like, you know, you tell people how to navigate the industry as a writer. I tell them, I'm like, look, this is how it works. They'll be like, nah, it can't be that easy. It really is. It's really, really, really simple. It's, it's actually, you almost will feel like you're just stupid for not knowing that. But what takes work is, is the process that you have of doing your writing, of working through your, your shit and like just going and doing that. That's the hard part. Yeah. 
what to do is already written in all the books, yeah. man. And then I would say in terms of like a lot of the what to do, the hard part of it is getting out of your own way. That's really the hardest part about it. It's like, Oh, it's so tough. It's like, no, it's not. It's just, it's some, I think that that's oftentimes, um, something we tell ourselves to, to stop us from putting ourselves out there. Yeah. Like that's a big, it's, it's just fear of, of actually putting ourselves out there. I think is usually where, why we tell ourselves like, Oh, it's so hard. And and we talk about all kinds of shit about the industry and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, not as much as you think. Like, yeah, of course there's certain ways that like the industry functions that can provide challenges, but does that mean it can completely stop you? It's like, no, no, it's actually like quite simple. And yeah, usually it's just something we tell ourselves to keep our shit to ourselves. Well, yeah. I mean, if you tell yourself it's hard or you tell yourself you're not enough or whatever, not whatever anybody does to like knock themselves down. I mean, you just got to look at what do I get out of that? Basically, if you convince yourself that you're not good enough or you're, you're not worthy or you're not like, you don't have the special thing. Well, what does that do for you? Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Right. It's not because you're not worthy or not good enough or not have that special thing. It's because you don't have to work anymore. Cause now if that's true, well then there's no point working cause you're just not good enough and you're not worthy and you're not on a special thing. So why bother working? I mean, the, the thing is, is the, the whole idea that anybody is ever born with anything is a really fucked up idea in a lot of mm. ways because we all have to learn how to walk you know, maybe some people walk a little bit sooner. Maybe, you know, maybe certain people figure things out a a little different. Maybe our bodies are a little different. Maybe we look a little different, but those things are really minor in the scheme of things. We all have to go through the trials of doing the thing. And so not good enough and all this other stuff is just a way to basically allow yourself to be off the hook to not really put the effort in. Mm Mm-hmm you know, that's really all it is. And I think if, if we're just honest about that, you know, like, even if you don't feel good enough, who cares? Do it anyway. Like do your, have your feelings always been 100% honest to you? Have they always really told you the truth? Yeah. No, I guarantee they haven't. Maybe you feel like they have, but they don't, they lie. Your, your emotions lie all the time. You know, we make, we, 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 I don't think it's our emotions lie to us. It's what, it's how we interpret it's our emotions interpret our that, emotions. that yeah, lie yeah. to us. Okay. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Cause like, you know, we make decisions to do things that aren't good for us because they feel good. It's, it's, it feels good. The idea of it feels good. It seems like it'll be good, you know, and then you go do something and it ends up getting you into trouble, you know, or we don't do something because it feels bad or feels uncomfortable or whatever. Meanwhile, if you just did the thing that felt bad or uncomfortable or whatever, that would get you what you wanted. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that, you know, when it comes down to just like, doesn't matter if it's acting or writing or any type of thing, period in the world, there's going to be a lot of time that you're going to have to probably spend doing stuff you don't, that doesn't feel good, you know, and whatever you can tell, whatever bullshit story you want, but if it gets you out of doing the thing that doesn't feel good, then it's a bullshit story. So, you know, it's very, very simple. You know, like I think that people just need to understand it's very, very simple. You already know what you need to do. You know, if you're an actor, 
you need to act. You need to practice acting. You need to work on memorizing lines. You need to work on doing your Meisner training, work on doing your scene breakdowns, work on learning accents, work on learning skills to make, to put you outside of the pack. It's all very simple. Just do the work, do it over and over until you become masterful at all of these things. Mm -hmm. Then after you've worked and you've built this thing, who you are and who you've become of that has nothing to do with you. You are simply a person who applied themselves. You are not better than anyone else. You know, like, like, you know, I was talking about this guy, right? The guy who's just starting his writing career. Yeah. Okay. I've written for, since I was like 16 years old, I've been writing screenplays. Okay. I've been writing like, like half my life. The thing is, is that, you know, I've been writing and I'm on a persistency right now where I write every single day for half an hour, no matter what, at least every single day. And I've done that for four and a half years straight every single day. You don't think that I'm going to start getting paid as a writer and I'm going to start getting paid more and more and more. It's not that I'm a better writer or that I, I apply the shit out of myself. Yeah. I do it over and over and over again. It's just simple. And sometimes I look at myself and I go, man, you could apply yourself way more. And and then I could have way more success way quicker because it really does equate. And people want to tell you it doesn't, but it really does. Mm-hmm. You know, effort in results out. I mean, it's the same for really anything. And some of us are going to have to work harder because we don't all start at the same place. Like, you know, someone else, they might've grown up in a in a family that was super supportive and encouraged them to be a storyteller since they were a little kid. Well, I didn't start till I was a teenager. By the time we're teenagers, they're ahead of me. That's fine. It doesn't make them better than me. It just makes them have a certain type of social advantage. But if I apply myself over and over and over again, I will catch up because the thing is, is that unless that person continues to apply themselves, they won't be that way. Yeah. You look at, uh, and, and I just want to say this, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. It's funny. You just brought that up. Cause I was just thinking about Michael Jordan in my head. Great. Yeah. So Michael Jordan got rejected from his high school basketball team. Yeah. And he applied the shit out of himself in basketball. And that was a real point for him where he really recognized he needed to apply himself. I mean, when you think basketball, Michael Jordan is probably the number one person that we will think about in history for pretty much a very long time. Same with Wayne Gretzky with hockey. Yeah. You know, I, I, I learned, and I don't remember who told me this, but I, I remember basically Wayne Gretzky would watch hockey games and he'd take a pen and he would, as the game, and he had an ice rink drawn or something on a sheet and he would follow where the puck went with a pen, wherever it went all game. And then he'd look at where the puck went most commonly in the game. And then he is famous for the quote is like, I go where the puck is going to be, you know, something like that along those lines. Right. Well, he applied himself. He did it over and over and over again. And then he learned and people go, Oh, he's a natural. Oh, he was born with it. It's bullshit, man. It's like he made himself. He made himself that exactly. So like as actors, as writers, as whatever we are, you know, how committed are you to making yourself into this thing? And that means that some nights you don't go out for drinks with friends. Some nights you don't do the thing that you want to do. Some nights you've got to do the uncomfortable thing and maybe more. And if you want to be the top or the best ever, 
and that's important to you. You, you, when other people are out there having fun, satiating, doing the thing that's easy, you're the one that's applying yourself. And if you're really connected to your goal and it's not just from an ego place, but it's from a place of like, you really believe it's important. You'll enjoy doing it. It won't even be work to you anymore. No, but I, you know, I've been doing interviews. I've been talking about this for the last few podcasts. I've been interviewing mm-hmm. all sorts of people in the industry. You know, there's a, there's a parallel between people who are successful and, um, people who are successful and succeeding more and more who are positive and people who careers are dying or are not succeeding who are negative. Mm. It's a parallel, man. You start to interview enough people, do it. You'll start to see it's the same thing. And they might've had success earlier. But once they start getting negative, it's like you look at their career now and it's not going anywhere. It's the people who are positive and optimistic and they're applying themselves and they're putting in the work. The people who get negative, they're the ones that don't have to apply themselves anymore. Because once you start telling yourself like, oh, it's hard or or whatever, you don't have to apply yourself anymore. I mean, that's just the nature of Mm -hmm. anything. It doesn't really matter. And yeah, maybe it is hard to apply yourself, but like, yeah, <laughs> that's how this works. Yeah. If it was easy, everybody would do it. You know what I mean? So I, I, you know, it's, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting process. It's really put a lot of perspective on me. Cause like, I mean, a lot of my early twenties, I, I felt not good enough. Yeah. And I think like that was just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 it got me out of having to do the work, you know, and I, mm. and I look back and I go, well, you know, I don't want to run that story anymore, you know? Yeah. And, um, I look at it and I go, well, you know, everything starts from this humble beginning. You know, nobody's good when we, when we start, like nobody's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all, we're all beginning from somewhere. And just because like, you know, like I'll ask some, some actors and, and writers and filmmakers, I'm like, when, so when did you start? And they'll say, well, when did I start professionally or when did I start? the question was, when did you start professionally or whatever? Like, like it's up to you. When do you think you started? Cause it's all bullshit. Anyway, I'll tell you when I started being a filmmaker, most people would say I was 16. When you made your first film, I started being a, a filmmaker at three years old. I was walking around playing imagination, figuring out how to do things like the movies. Yeah. I was already doing it. You know, uh, I had a natural predisposition to be making movies, to be telling stories. Yeah. So did I nurture that from three years old as much as I could have? No, but I wasn't necessarily in a situation where artistry and and that was nurtured. You know, sometimes I look back and I go, Oh man, if only, but you know, who gives a shit? You know, I love doing it. So I'm going to do it now, you know, and maybe it takes me longer than it takes some other people. But you know, I used to beat myself up when I was younger. If I was like not a success right away, you know, we didn't all come from families and places where, you know, we were encouraged to practice. I mean, if you look at Wayne Gretzky, for example, his father was there teaching him and encouraging him to practice and apply himself at a very, very early age. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the, that's part of it, right? Like now, if you started later, you just have time to make up. That's it. You know, but the other thing too, what's great about this whole industry is that effort in, doesn't actually 
always mean results out because if you're applying yourself, but you're doing something that is like not really a great technique, or you've learned from someone who maybe has their own shit going on and they're not really guiding you and they're more about making themselves look good or something. Mm -hmm. Well, you might've put a lot of effort in, but you might've been misguided. It's like, uh, you know, the false prophet, right? You followed someone who maybe didn't lead you in the right direction. Um, if someone has a really good mentor or really, you know, someone who's really on it early on and they actually apply what that person teaches them, which is the other part of it, you know, their effort, they might have to put less effort in to get greater results. It's, it's the whole working harder, working smarter, but you should work smart and hard. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't all, we don't all work smart because I think that there's a lot of bullshit in artistry. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. I went off on a spiel there, but no, that's good. Yeah. I had a lot to say on the whole thing. You can step down from your soapbox now. (laughs) That I will, Evan. Um, I will. You want to talk about beer? Yeah. Let's talk about this beer. All right. Okay, so for quick second this, uh, here. It's kind of got a cool can with a little wolf and a dude with a beard on it. This the reason why it has a wolf and a and a dude with a beard on it. And uh, let me tell you in a minute. Actually, what do you think of it? I like it. It's really. It's really it's it's dark. It's a dark beer. Like mm-hmm. I can see that. It's quite dark, but it doesn't strike me as being like a, like it's not a porter. It almost strikes me as being like a, like a dark ale of some kind. Like it's, um, because it's quite light and fresh, but it's just, it it does have a lot of flavor to it, but it goes down quite, quite easily. So this is a, this is a Dunkel. Ah, okay. It's a dark lager. Um, and the name is creepy uncle Dunkel. (laughs) (laughs) And who's the brewery? Moon underwater. They're, uh, I believe they are on the Island. These guys, Victoria, Victoria, BC is where they are. So, um, yeah, I'm, what do you think of this one? It's, it's a winner in my books. I really like it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Dunkel's actually. Um, and we don't really have Dunkel's very often, or I don't know if we ever have had a dunkel. I feel like we've maybe had a dunkel like once, but yeah, maybe, maybe way, once way back. So anyway, I, I, you know, there was, there was a lot of options that I went with this one. So creepy uncle dunkel. <laughs> and it has a, uh, yeah, it's a funny little picture there. Um, um, I guess that's uh creepy uncle dunkel. Yeah. Moon underwater. Very nice. So. Well, excellent. Our first, first from them moon underwater from Victoria, Victoria, BC. Yeah. Great There's place. a lot of Island beers that, uh, we'll bring on soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we're expanding, expanding our team. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to like, well, the last one we did Phillips, which is also on the Island. So, yeah. So yeah, there'll be more. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a quote I actually wanted to read. Uh, oh that, yeah. Yeah. Please. Now that I think about it. Um, yeah. Queued up there. I have it queued up. And I was going to mention it earlier because it was something that you said, but let me just read it to you. All right. So Benjamin Joet, I think is how you say his last name. Um, and he's, uh, there's something 
actually, I'm not going to really get into the history of him, but it's something kind of to do with like Plato's Republic and all that. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, his quote, and this has stuck with me for a very long time. Um, the way to get things done is not to mind who gets the credit for doing them. Mm. The way to get things done is not to mind who gets the credit for doing them. And I think that this is a, uh, you know, this is a really good quote for, yeah. for artists because, you know, who cares if it was the director or the writer or the actor or whoever, and who cares if someone, you know, is, is getting the credit for the thing. What's important is that this really great thing got done and, yeah. and that the things you want are getting done. And, you know, I think that it's the ego that always wants us to get the credit and the acknowledgement. And I think, you know, we have a, another podcast, which I'll throw out there too, is, um, rewards, awards, and better and better reasons, better yeah. reasons or awards, rewards, and better reasons, something like that. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, you know, we, if we can remove ourselves from it, you know, if we can mm-hmm. look at it like, you know, a sake of that, it doesn't really matter if it was ours or someone else's or someone else does the thing or we don't do the thing. What's important is that, you know, you contribute what you can and you be real with who you can and you don't need to be special. I think like you don't need to be any more than what you are. Mm-hmm. And I think if you really can, can actually take that on, ironically, you will end up getting often more than what you ever hoped for. But when you try to go out and try to be something more, you almost get nothing because it's, it's this very counterintuitive thing. Well, I think that, you know, when you go with sort of the ego's idea of special, it results in something that is very, um, very lonely, Hmm. I think. You know, and and I think that that quote speaks to that a lot. You know, it's like it's because the way that we really truly get things done is with other people. You know, like the the greatest human achievements aren't aren't done alone, right? Like there was there was a massive team of people that that put Armstrong on the moon, right? conspiracy theorists are just like, did he ever win? Um, <laughs> I love that voice. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, you know, there was, it either was way, like, there was a massive number of people who convinced everyone that they went on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. No matter which way you slice it, there's a massive amount of people involved in doing that. Yeah. But it was interesting too, because I remember seeing, I don't remember who had said this, but watching someone was telling me about the moon landing and saying that it was so significant in the sense that it, even though it was like, you know, it was, it was the space race and America was like the first ones to get there or whatever. It was, people had a sense of, of this being beyond a country beyond a nationality. Like this was a human achievement Hmm. beyond an idea of an isolated thing. It was like, wow, we've done this. 
all of humanity has done this, right? Like we've, because, and in many ways there's, that's a very logical way of looking at it. You know, it's just like that. And, and I've heard this argument for, for other things. I mean, the reason why we have iPhones is because humanity created it. Yeah. Apple made the phone, you know, Apple made this phone that changed the world, right? Years and years ago, they unleashed this thing on the market, changed everything. Mm -hmm. But Apple didn't just make that phone on their own, like completely on their own sort of like, yes, this was all completely like it was two people who figured this whole thing out and they just, they, they came up with it. Nobody had ever conceived of this. It's like, no, they conceived of it because, because this was where people were going. Hmm. This is where we were being like our collective humanity was going towards something like this. Right. And with any like sort of big sort of things that end up, it was, it was a, the internet was a human thing. Like you really attribute that to like a couple of people. No, like it took all of our human history and ingenuity, everything to create that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think it's important to, to mention that it's not about, it's not about who, who gets credit because I think there's, but, but in certain ways too, we have to like, keep in mind that certain people create certain things or do certain things and, and, and they, they ought to be tributed for it. They ought to be acknowledged yeah. for their contributions, um, and not to undermine the fact that someone has participated in this. But I think like, you know, you look at the, say the iPhone, for example, and there's probably all these other people who worked on it. And there's probably someone in that mix, if not more than one who did way more than they ever will get credit for. Mm-hmm. And the thing is for that person, you know, which is, I think often a part of the process of creating great things is that even if you don't get the acknowledgement and the credit for it is, does that mean that you wouldn't want to be a part of creating this great thing? You know, is it all about getting the credit? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's what shuts down a lot of these ideas is that yeah. people are so concerned about getting the credit that the idea never even launches anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, um, I, I think the whole thing about like, you know, there are, there is certain rewards for getting credit, you know, in, in our world. And I can, I can see the appeal, you know, and I think that, but credit seekers are like, yeah, credit seekers. I don't, I, I don't know, maybe, but I don't experience them as actually really getting that much credit. Usually it's usually the people who are not trying to really get the credit. You know, they'll, they'll have experiences where they don't get any, but they're usually the ones that ultimately get more acknowledgement than, than anything. Yeah. But they probably would have their fair share of experiences where they got really no acknowledgement or credit for something they participated in. You know, uh, um, it's, it's an interesting thing, like being a screenwriter, right? There's writers who will try to come on board who want to write more than 50% of the script Mm. so that they get the name on the script, right? And that's really important to them. Um, it doesn't matter even if the script was great, you know, if they can get in there and put their 50% of the writing in, then they can get the name and take the credit for it. And I think that that's, you know, in the short term, 
maybe that helps you out. I think in the long term that ultimately undercuts you. Um, because I think if you're really that great of a writer and you know, you want to be a part of some great project that you will go out and do the work to actually create it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I had, uh, I've had experiences in my life where someone, for example, let's just, I'm not going to get into specifics of it. We're say someone fucked me over. Yeah. Right. And I remember thinking, man, like karma, like karma needs to fucking get them. I need to see something happen to them because it's just not fair. You know, and I, I later learned in life that they, sometimes people, I think they can be quite dismissive of really seeing any of their effects, but I actually found that quite often people had to walk around with a certain type of shame, mm. a certain type of, uh, they lost something in what they did. And, and, and I realized that it was a, it cost them far more than they ever got from me. And I think that's the consequence of doing something that you know is a shady action, because regardless of what anyone else thinks, if it's a shady action or not, if you think it's a shady action and you do it, even if someone else doesn't even mind all that much, you got to walk around with what you did and you'll, and you'll know. And so, you know, I think that if you're trying to manipulate a way where you get credit for something, you got to walk around with the idea that you didn't really earn it because you mm. manipulated it and you tricked it and you, and you, and you gamed the system. Yeah. But when you really earn credit, even if it's minor, but you really earned it and you did it from a place of, you know, whether everyone else acknowledges it or not, it doesn't really matter because you know, you were a part of it, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that it's kind of this internal external, like, you know, uh, someone asked this question of me, I think a long time ago I was working through some stuff, but he said, if everybody was like congratulating you and saying, Hey, you did this really great job on this thing, you know? And, but you knew that you did not You yeah. knew that it wasn't yours, that it was someone else's, but like, you had kind of taken their work and put your name on it. And then you put it out to the world. But then everybody was like, you're so great. Look what you did. Even though you're getting the external credit and you're getting that acknowledgement, there would be this kind of lack of ownership over the whole thing. Meanwhile, that other person who didn't get the credit, even though they did the work, it would hurt that they weren't getting the external credit. But deep down inside, if it did really well, they would know I did that. I, I was the one that actually created that. And I think this is an important distinction to make as a creative, as an artist, especially as a writer, because if you want to be a professional writer, you're going to probably come in at some point, you're going to have a script and you're going to either be faced with, or it's going to happen to you where someone is going to try to take credit for your work. It's just a part of the nature of this industry and it's just the way it is. Now you can get all upset and you can be like, oh, fucking industry, like people. It might happen. If you get upset, it doesn't really do you any good, you know, whatever, unless you're mm -hmm. going to do something about it. But the thing is, is that you, you got to build a certain internal amount of credit. Like I know that I helped create this thing, regardless of my name is on it at the end of the day, doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that that's, part of the reason why certain things have worked out for me with writing is that I haven't worried so much about the credit. You know, I've, I've, I've mindfully been in the forefront of trying to make sure that I get credits for certain things, you know, to, 
to put statements in my contracts to say like, this is what I'd like as an exchange. Maybe I'll even sacrifice some money to get this. Um, and that's an awkward, sometimes uncomfortable conversation at times, you know, but you know, I'm being an integrity with it, but at the end of the day, certain things can happen and you don't get credit for certain things you've done. And if you do it for the credit, I mean, I think that you never really will get anything done. You know, I think that it's always going to be, you know, backwards. Like most people don't really know that I would say most people don't really know that I'm as successful as I am as a writer. Most people probably never even will know. And I think that's just part of how this goes, you know, but I know, Mm -hmm. and, and I like that. And I, and I can walk around with that and I can be proud of that. You know, whether everyone else knows that or not, you know, I think I would like it to have my work acknowledged. I would love that. But would I be willing to give up what I had to maybe make less, but then get credit for everything? I mean, you know, when you kind of put it in perspective, you go like, I know when a movie gets made, if, the, if I don't see my name up there in the credits, if I don't get the recognition for it, I'll know forever that I was a part of helping it to be what it is. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain kind of affirmation in that, that helps me to move on to create better work beyond that. Um, but I'm not, I don't look at myself as a one shot pony. You know what I mean? Um, like I got many, many great things that are waiting to come out and, and one great success, even if it doesn't have my name on it will help me to further see a path to making more great successes. Yeah. But if I never have a single great success, cause I was so always so worried about my credit being on the final thing of it, what's the, what's the cost, oh, yeah. right? So you, you see what I'm saying? I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, okay. One last point. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap this baby up as an actor, don't you think that most of us are going off the rails because we're trying so hard to get credit for being good actors? What if we just didn't do that? What if we just acted and we were like, I'm enough and yeah. if nobody recognizes how great I did. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing is like what I see with young actors right now. And when I watch these other actors, what, what I see with them is I see actors trying to be good, trying to do a good job. At least I project that. And that's what yeah, I see. Like it's, it's because I, I can understand this because I went through it for, for a good while where it was like, it was validation and a way of feeling valued. And the only way I could do that was if, was if I was a great actor. Right. And it, and that required for me to, to see myself as being a great actor was for validation from other people. I needed other people to tell me that. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, like it's, um, yeah, I mean, acting especially is like an artist ground for like some pretty insane narcissism for sure. Um, (laughs) you know, but like, it's, it's, it's easy to understand why, oh, no, why it happens. It's so easy to understand why um, I would say more than almost any other art form. I think music would be a close second, but still second, I think to acting in this, in this regard, which is that. And I think it's because with music, like you need to have some level of musical talent. <laughs> no, you're right. For right? sure. Right. You're, you you know, need to play an instrument or be able to fucking sing. You need to be able to fucking do something. Right. That's yeah, quite yeah. clear. Like that's quite evident where acting is, can be a little bit like, 
I think singing is the closest to acting because mm. I think singers sometimes don't get the calibration to if they're really a good singer. Yeah. But if you learn guitar or piano or the trumpet, yeah. you had to actually learn how to play. Yeah, actually you had to learn to some degree. Yeah. You need to be proficient in to some, to some level. Acting can be a little bit, you know, there's, I, I find that there's in acting, there's like a, a massive percentage of acting is not great is not very good at all. Yeah. I would say most of it is not very good. Um, and then you have the people who are quite good and you have the people who are exceptional, like, and that is like a very small percentage. And those are the people who are just like, yeah, they're the, they're the Titans of it all. But that huge percentage is because it's this thing where it's like, because it's such a big industry, you know, there's so many shows and movies and this and that, like it's, it makes a ton of money. You know, we consume a lot of this art form, Mm -hmm. um, and entertainment. It is both. Um, we consume a lot of it just because of our technology and whatever, like it's all these things that like kind of created a perfect storm. And so now it's like acting is, and being an actor is a thing where you can get on a screen or, you know, there's this idea of getting on a screen and it making you a somebody and it making you important. Hmm. Right. And it doesn't do those. If you're doing, if you're doing, if you're going into acting for those reasons, it's not going to do those things for you. Like it's never, ever going to do any of those things for you. So yeah. And that comes down to this whole thing of, of credit, you know, like needing, that validation from, from your work. And yeah, I think that that's just, that's a dicey, that's a dicey and slippery slope that you're, you're heading on when you're do you're create, you're in an art form. You've, you've committed yourself to going in an art form for the reasons of being validated as a person. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, sometimes I can get you into it. Like, like I said, I mean, there was a big part of me that wanted those things, but there was truly like within me a deep love for acting. Yeah. Like I, I had started acting as a kid because, you know, I saw movies and television and I just thought it looked like a shit ton of fun. Yeah. I thought it looked like so much fun to just like pretend like, you know, like pretend in these like elaborate stories, right? These really big stories and, and, and all these characters and, 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 and they were so moving and stuff. Like it was just something extraordinary. I just wanted to be part of it. And I, and so I just wanted to do it. I think that's partially where talent comes from. It just becomes like, no, it's just because I, I just have a passion for wanting to do it. Mm. And so you, you kind of almost wire yourself in a way to become dis- like disposed to doing it. Right. Um, and that's why, and then it was later, I feel like it started to become this thing of being validated as an actor then through celebrity right. and through being noticed and through getting credit for certain things. And it's, and it saps all of the fun out of it. Like it saps all of the life out of the work that you're doing. It becomes, it becomes a job. 
Yeah. It becomes a, it becomes a task. It becomes like, you know, and it was showing in my attitude towards how I was towards how I saw what I was doing as well as my approach to the craft itself, which was like, it was a, it was a list of like techniques to be executed. Right. It was like, it it was all like a complete reflection of itself. And it was, and it sent me in a really, really weird place in a really bad place where it was like, I didn't even know for a long time if I even, if I even cared about acting, whether yeah. like, cause I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And it was, and it's a lot of actors, I think, come to that, that place at some point. And in some ways I'm glad I did because it led me on, on a search to find, to find something deeper within it. And I ended up rediscovering like an even deeper burning desire for acting and to a degree in being able to talk to actors and teach actors as well is like, was like a fire that came out of that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's interesting. I actually worked with a, with an acting teacher and they, they said that they said something to me like, you don't really want to be an actor. Like I get the feeling you don't really want to be an actor because you don't, you just don't want to be seen. Like, and I was like, I'm like, just because like all these actors are so like needing, like they just like they're needing at your tip cause they're like need it so badly to be seen. Mm. Doesn't mean that I like don't want to be an actor. I've just kind of gone through that. Like, it's not about being seen anymore. It's now it's about like, I want to be a part of doing this thing. You know what I mean? And I, I thought like, did they did, just to play devil's advocate here? Did they mean be seen on like a more like poetic sense of like, you won't let yourself be seen? No, like, no. They meant like, I don't like want to like get myself out there. Like, like, like I need to be fame, like famous mm. or something like, okay. You know, the, th- the thing is, is like, there's, as I've gone through this whole process, you know, um, and I mean, I don't know, like with acting, I look at it, I go, I think that there's a certain kind of thing that can drive you. Like, you're like, you know, I really want to get out there and be in all these shows and do all this stuff. And it drove me for a lot of my years, but I look at it now and I go, I want to be a part of like really great projects. Yeah. I actually think that my desire to be a part of really great projects gives me the possibility of having a kind of career that I want. If it's more about just getting on like major network shows and getting on all this stuff. And, you know, like I, I I don't, I don't know. I look at that and I go, that to me, isn't really a career. That's like, I I don't know. Like everybody has their own path. Yeah. Everybody's going to do their own thing. But to me, I look at that and I go, well, I didn't get into acting to, to, to do bit parts or to do even big roles in shitty shows. I, I, that wasn't my, you know, my goal was to be a part of really like great, you know, fun things. I, you know, you know what I mean? Things that I really believed in and want to be a part of. And the way I look at that is like, um, I, I look at like, I don't know, like I look at people like James Dean or Marlon Brando or uh, Meryl Streep or someone like that. And I look at their careers and I look at them as even, even, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, I look at them and I look at people, Daniel Day Lewis, 
I look at them and I look at them as actors who really have a real high integrity for the projects they do. And, mm-hmm. and they really seem to me, and from what I've read about them and understand about them, and I don't know them personally, but from what I've gathered, and at least the way that it's been presented, is they have striked me as people who really wanted to do some great work and be a part of some really great things. Al Pacino as well, you know, even Brad Pitt, you know, he didn't do anything major mainstream really. Like he did cool world in the beginning, but like he didn't really do many mainstream things. He kind of yeah. did off the cuff and he could have been the most mainstream actor ever, you know, but I look at them and I go, that's more of the kind of career that I want. Now, maybe I'm never going to be the big movie star that they've become, but I, but I look at that and I go, to me, that seems like a really great journey in this craft. Yeah. Um, I think that that kind of movie star is all, I think that that's over though, to a large degree. I think that that's kind of over. Like when you think of, when I think of, um, who are the big new, newer ish actors out there now? Like you think of them and you go, it's like, okay, yeah, they're big, but man, there's not, it's not like it used to be like, there's not really any Brad Pitt's anymore. You know, like Brad Pitt's kind of the last, like one of the last of like a dying breed. Mm. You know, I think of someone like, okay, who's, who are people kind of clamoring for? Tom Hardy. Okay. But Tom Hardy still just likes to fuck off and do a little indie pick. Yeah. You know, like it's more so about like a lot of these actions, Michael Fassbender, someone like that. Um, but yeah, there's not too many people who are that sort of like that Brad Pitt type anymore, because I think of these guys like Tom Hardy or, or Michael Fassbender and you're like, they're not the same. They're not the same kind of like in terms of how we hold them in our society. It's different. It's a little bit different. Like, yeah, people still recognize them, know who they are, but there's a different way in which I think they kind of function. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is, I mean, it is changing. I mean, content as far as film, the film industry goes become so much more expansive. I mean, there's so many more, um, things to, to watch. I mean, if you go back to the golden age of Hollywood, I mean, there used to be like movies used to, it didn't matter about your opening weekend. You were there for, you know, months. I mean, you were just there. They didn't have as many films to choose from now. I mean, you know, it's like opening weekend and and, in the theater. And then there's all this video on demand, there's Netflix and Hulu and all this other stuff, right? There's all these ways. And then there's, you know, then there's YouTube, then there's all of this other stuff. I mean, there's so many ways and outlets for people to be out there that, you know, not everybody is, is necessarily clamoring towards, you know, one particular person anymore. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, you see some of these young actors in their, um, you know, they get on this TV show and they're kind of famous for a little bit. They're chewed up and then they're spit out, you know, and, and then they don't really do anything really all that much afterwards because, you know, that, show use them commercially. And then, you know, yeah. and then they're, and now they're just back into being a regular Joe again. You know, it's, you know, I think that it used to be, you know, back in like the eighties and nineties, if you booked a TV show and that show got picked up and became a series and you were a lead, that was a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or you were in, you know, you were in some major motion pictures. I mean, TV was a little bit different back then. It was hard to make a jump from television into TV, but yeah, 
Um, into movies, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, From television to movies. Yeah. But, um, you know, now it's, you know, now in many ways, like the stars are coming to TV and movies don't have the longevity the same way TV does. And yeah, it's it's all changing and it's all changing. I think the important thing is, is the artist though. And and my point really comes back down to, and I I know you're kind of talking about that, but is that I just want to do work that matters to me. I want to do stuff that I care yeah. about, you know? Well, it's like, it's, it's where you're setting your sights on. Ultimately, it's like set your sights on something a little bit more meaningful, like as opposed to, you know, setting your sights on like, okay, like my whole career is about booking like a series lead on, you know, some fucking show that's going to last for three seasons, really, mm-hmm. maybe three seasons, maybe like maybe two often these days, it's lucky if you have a, have one full, full run yeah. on a season, you know, it's like, and you set your sights on doing that, like as being the, the ultimate end all be all of your career. And it's like, why would, why the hell would you do that? You know, I think that's why a lot of people just kind of will end up dropping off the face of the earth because you've put everything on, on it right? It's just like, you know, I, cause I think it's great for actors to book this stuff. I'm not opposed to actors making money. Yeah. You know, I think it's great to be able to pay the bills, but when your job, when acting just becomes about paying the bills, yeah, that's a little bit of a weird thing to me because like, the, you know, you got into an art form, right? Like it's an art. Yeah. If you're just like, doing you're something gonna create to pay the bills, something? like you're going to create something, you're going to explore something. You're going to really challenge yourself as a human being to express something to the world, to say something for fuck's sake, <laughs> say something. You're not going to say something on most of the shit that gets like made in the big industry. Yeah. You're, like it's going to be very surface level. Like we were kind of talking about before, you know, it's going to be a very shell level of saying something. Yeah. Right. It'll be some sort of a tired cliche usually you want to really say something, you've got to get yourself involved in like something that maybe it's a story that you have, or maybe it's like some really passionate independent filmmakers or something like that. There are, are so many people who are out there trying to, to really create something and, and send a message of some kind, right? You know, you set, you say, it's like, okay, it's great. You know, book that seriously and be like, sweet. I'm going to like, I'm absolutely going to give it everything I've got. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, you've also got to be going, just like, it's like, okay, this is great. This is great. What like, and, but be looking at something that's like, okay, but what's like some other things? Like, what are, what is, what are some other projects, some other things? Like you don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially when it comes to that, like, I don't know, in really super industry type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Because again, like, another podcast episode in the, in the game of industry, the house always wins. Yeah. It always wins. It's like, it's like, well, you know, and we talked about this not too long ago either on a, on a, another podcast about how, it's, well, you know, you were hot. It seemed like you were hot. People really liked you suddenly. I don't know. That Hansel, he's so hot right now. Yeah. Now that he's so hot, you know, we've got, we've got to have him. Yeah. Your character's dead. <laughs> we're killing him. It's going to, we're going to, but we're going to do it good. People are going to be real sad. They're going to be real sad about your death. But yeah. this Hansel guy, man, he's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, and it's, that's business. That's it's a business. business decision. It's not a personal thing. No, but it can feel so shitty. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, you're, you, you know, I think if you, you know, if you make your career like a gamble, you know, yeah. it's like that. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about, it's about finding a certain kind of fulfillment for yourself and being real to what you're, you know, why you're doing anything in the first place is mm. just get back to that core. Stop doing this from a shell existence. You know, like I think, you know, when you start out as an actor or you start out as a writer, you start out as something, you know, there's an idea of like, Oh, I'd really like to create this show, but like, I'd really like to be, you know, be doing this. But like, you know, I notice as people get further into the industry, it all becomes about like, I got to get my series. I got to do this thing. I got to, you know, and, and, and like, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I think that's a good goal to have. And I think it's great achievement to, to Mm -hmm. accomplish. I think it's fantastic. But like, that's a stepping stone part of the process. And I think that, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble. It's probably a big gamble. Yeah. And if you're going to just, if you like, you know, the house always wins in gambling because usually what happens is people will win big and then they'll keep gambling their winnings until they gamble all their winnings away. Yeah. Cause they don't feel like the, what they won was actually theirs. Mm. And that's, you know, the, the whole degenerate gambler is someone who, you know, um, really they only see the amount of effort they, the amount of money they put in and the actor only sees the amount of effort they put in. So like if you didn't have to put a lot of effort in and then all of a sudden you get a series regular or lead, mm-hmm. you, you don't see the hardship of what many other people were going through for years before they did it. So there's a certain kind of like easy come, easy go, you know? And I, and I always say like to write to, to actors, especially like the moment you get that role, you should be thinking about how you are going to create your next move. Don't wait for the network or some other TV show to pick you up yeah. because, you know, I've seen, and I've seen this so many times. It's, I don't even have lost count now where people have gotten their series lead. They've gotten their big thing and their career. It ended, the show ended and so did their career. Yeah. And maybe they're working little bits here or there, but they're not the lead and they're not the big star that like that leveraged mm-hmm. them up to be. And I think like, man, like what a shame you, you should be either hiring a writer or writing a script yourself or connecting with people and trying to get something made that you will head and produce. Yeah. Because if you leave it up to the idea that, Oh, well this show's going to go on forever. Or when this show's done, they're going to, I'll get cast into another big show. Cause I've made it. Yeah. You've just signed your own death warrant to your career. And I think that, you know, it's, it's about, it's about if you get that lucky, like win that you leverage that and use that for something. Cause not everybody is going to get that. Yeah. And I, and I also think that, you know, we give ourselves too much credit sometimes, you know, I think when we book a role, we think that means we're a good actor. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a good actor. Now I know this sounds like a dick thing to say, but yeah. it really isn't because actors don't necessarily get cast for their ability. They get cast for their fit and their fit might be their look or their personality or something that aligned at that time. Yeah. That thing is not always going to align, you know? And, and I think that if you leave it up to that, maybe it'll work out, but I would, I'd be willing to bet if somebody statistically looked at this, I would be willing to bet that most actors who get a lead in a television series 
after that television series is done, their careers begin to go back down Mm -hmm. to what a regular career looks like for the most part. I would say that is a very, very small percentage of the actor that books the lead role in a television series that continues on to go to more series and more movies afterwards. Mm. And I would say that it diminishes over time. Yeah. And I would be willing to bet on that. I bet if somebody looked at all, all the numbers and put it all together, you would see that exact stat. Yeah. So knowing that if you get yourself onto a series regular or some big movie that gives you some type of clout or pull or whatever, don't leave it up to a gamble anymore. You already won. You won the, you, you put it on black and fucking it hit black or you put it on 31 and roulette and it hit 31 or whatever it is. And you won big. Don't expect that just cause you won big one time means you're going to win big again. You might never win again. So now it's time for you to not gamble anymore. It's time for you to take charge because now you have the means. I mean, I would say like the, one of the number one things that stops most filmmakers is they just don't have the means. One of the biggest things that stops people from ever committing to their, their full-time acting career or their full-time writing career is because they don't have the means to do it. We have day jobs, we have time, we have to put into other things. You know, if you get that and you have the means and you get paid all of this money, don't coast. Now's the time to work. Now's the time to create more opportunity for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've watched people, I've watched them do this. And I've, you know, in some ways I've done it myself, you know, where you get this big chunk of change and you think it's going to keep coming in and it just slowly goes down, just slowly goes down until you got nothing left. And now you're back at square one again. Yeah. You know, so anyway, it was a long the kind phone's of phone's not ringing. Yeah. It's a long kind of detour on this, but what do we talk about here? What do you I mean? know. I know. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, what the hell did we talk about? We talked to, I mean, I know we talked about a lot of stuff. We got, we talked about some good stuff. We did. I know we talked about a lot of good stuff. I mean, we started off, um, getting into things about, um, kind of how we, how we teach people in art, how we teach people in technique. I mean, it was very, uh, a lot of writing and acting based on this one here, but I think it's, um, you know, for me, I guess a lot of the, because there were different ways in which I think that we were f- finding how this worked. I think the most connecting thread I, I see through all of this is, is about really, um, really is about finding those, those deeper connections to what we're doing, mm. those deeper meanings to what we're doing, really asking what it is that we're doing, why it is that we're doing it. Um, and, and how that is really key to, to our success in the long run, you know, maybe that it's not always necessarily the short term gain, but it's gives you the long, the long term energy and stamina that you need. If you want to really fulfill this all out. I mean, we talked a little bit about how, um, you know, you get an idea for a script and maybe that's like, maybe that one idea, that initial idea, it's a great idea, but it's, half a page of your, of your 95 page script. It's half a page, you know, how are you going to fill this whole thing out? And the same thing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, with like, you know, an, an acting career or something is like, if you're looking for the credits or you're just looking to book that one, at least like, okay, that one lead in, in a series or whatever. It's like, great. 
you've got maybe, you know, if you are so freaking like fortunate, that thing runs for like eight, nine seasons. And that's extraordinary. But most cases you're looking at like one to three seasons, probably somewhere in there. Are you going to base your entire career and arts ambition on three fucking years? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, like if you want to have a career, you're probably going to want it to go for longer than three years. So I think that the way to do that is really finding that deeper connection to what you're doing, to finding great projects, to wanting to be a creator and a collaborator and work with people and, and, and doing it for the love of what you're doing. Get like, forget all the shit about getting credits, take the credits when they come. Absolutely. But don't make that your sole focus and, and, and what you're, cause it will, it will just destroy you. Yeah. I, I think that's about as much as I can, it I will, can get it in this because we destroy talk, you. It will destroy <laughs> you. <laughs> Not so serious Sunday. It will destroy yeah, you. It will destroy you. Uh, well, I kind of agree. I mean, I think that's why people quit and they get worn out and they get jaded and they get negative because they, they gambled against the house and they lose. Mm. And sometimes they win temporarily. But in the end of the day, it's like that podcast we did. And at the end of the day, that in, in, in the game of industry, the house always wins. Mm. And, you know, I think that it's, it's really about looking at how do I, how do I do my life in a way that's fulfilling for me, regardless of the results, regardless of what happens, regardless of what credit I get or successes I have, how do I do my life in a way that's truly authentically me? And I Mm want to do that. And then from there, you know, there's certain avenues you can go down in industry and you can try different ways of doing things. But to really understand that, you know, this is a business and, you know, especially in film and it doesn't really care how you feel. It doesn't care about you. And even if it treats you like you're special, you're only special as long as you make it money. You know, you're just a product on a shelf as far as industry is concerned. And when you stop making it money, it doesn't have a use for you anymore. It's going to move on to the next thing that makes it money. And if you don't make it as much money as something else makes it or perceived will make it, then you're not as important to it. And it doesn't give a shit. It has nothing to do with you as a person. It's, it's a lot to do with perception. It's a lot to do with, you know, what it, what the machine feels it can leverage and use. And, um, I think if you want to be a product on a shelf for some other company that has control over whether it puts you on the top shelf, that's eye level or the one that's at the bottom in the corner. Um, you know, you got to learn how the business works and that's just part of this game. Um, you know, and I think the other thing too, is if you, if you do get yourself to be positioned eye level, I'm thinking of like a supermarket, you know, if you get yourself to be on a television series where you're a lead and you're in a major network or you're in this major movie and and you're in the eye line of the general public. Now it's your time to do something with that leverage. It's now it's your time because now you've been seen. Now you've created some brand recognition for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
don't think that the industry is always going to keep you there on eyeline top shelf. You know, uh, for the actresses out there, especially, you're going to get older. You're going to get older and the, and the industry is going to spit you out harder than it spits anyone else out. It's mm-hmm. just the industry. I didn't make the rules. I don't like it, but it is the way it is. So if you don't like that, then you do something about it. You know what I mean? The men, it's the same thing. They're still going to spit you out and use you up, you know? And the thing is, is that you got to take the moment that you have where you got yourself on that limelight, if you get that chance, and then you, you got to figure out how you're going to work that because, because it gave you the presentation. Now it's up to you. And some of us are not going to ever be put on the eye level. The industry is never going to do that for us. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards for us. And for whatever reason, luck of the draw, you're never going to get the draw where you, doesn't matter how good you are. doesn't matter what you do. You're just never going to get it. And no one knows if that's going to happen for you or not going to happen for you. Not even you know that. So for some of us, we got to figure out on our own how to get ourselves if we really want that by our own efforts and our own work into the limelight onto that. And it's going to take work. And you know, the odds of it, most of us aren't going to be able to do it. And it's going to be a harder journey because you won't get that Mm -hmm. first break. But that's, that's what you do. And and does it really matter if your eye level in the public eye, is that really what's the most important to you? If you're doing it because you love it, then getting yourself and working yourself up there, you'll do it anyway, because you care about it. Yeah. But I don't think anybody should really talk about how the industry is hard. That's like saying, you know, that's like saying, you know, I went into the, I went into the casino and I gambled and I didn't win. It's like, it's a casino. It doesn't care if you win or lose, you know, and some of these games that we're playing here, they're, they're based purely on chance. Um, you know, you can put yourself in positions, you can look at predictability, you can kind of become a good quote unquote gambler, Mm -hmm. but it still doesn't mean you're going to win. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't have a fulfilling career. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not like, I wouldn't say it's like, uh, this industry is much like poker. I don't think you have as much control over it. Mm. I think maybe if you're a producer, maybe it's more like poker, right? But if you're an actor, it's more like roulette Mm. and, and it's, uh, you know, if you, you know, if you're, 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 you're gambling a little bit and there's certain things that might put you at better odds, but for the most part, it, it is in a big way, a game of chance. And, um, yeah. So, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta play the game, Yeah. play the game or don't play the game, but do what you love and do what's important to you. And think about it this way. This is the last thing I'm going to say. You want to look back on your life. You don't want to feel like you wasted it in the industry because you spent your whole time chasing the industry and it never worked out for Mm. you. Do it because you really love acting or writing or filmmaking or whatever it is. And look at it as a bonus. If you end up being super and uber successful at it, that that was a bonus because you're already doing something you loved anyway. Yeah. And it was a bonus that you became uber successful at it. But, you know, if you're only doing it for the industry, of course, you're going to be jaded and negative at the end of it because you did it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So that's my last thought, man. All right, man. Well, well this was another not so serious Sunday. <laughs> not so serious. Not so serious. Pretty serious. 
That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.